your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? It's really, it's really awful. Do it to it, brother. This is the Lutheran Stuff No Drama, No Drama Podcast. I'm Pastor Hoffman, and with me is Zach Lesher. Say hello, Zach. Grace, peace, and mercy to everybody. Well, here we are at it again. We're actually coming to a conclusion of a very short Bible study we did on, or we've been doing on 1 John. So if you're following along, uh, a helpful resource for this, of course, as always, is the Lutheran Study Bible. And um, what we're going to be doing today is discussing 1 John chapter 5. It's only like 20 verses. And um, it's going to talk about things about like overcoming the world, uh, the testimony concerning who Jesus is, and the purpose of the book. So we'll get started and I'll read through it. And then the Bush League will come at you like a spider monkey. (laughs) So (laughs) here we go. Um, uh, Starting with chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three who testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, The testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God, that he has been born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe in God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Indeed, amen. There's so much. There's so much good stuff here. It's a. It's a. I, I, I'm proud to be a bush leaguer today. Amen. Me too. So, is there any other? Is there any other than bush league? I don't know, man. Is there any other name by which one is informed? <laughs> <laughs> So a couple ground rules. Again, I want to remind the listeners, John writes cyclically. So 
when we start in chapter 5 here, the first three verses of chapter 5 are not the gospel. No. So John, again, cyclically, you got to keep that in mind. The way he opens is not Western train of thought. You know, he kind of puts things differently than we would, categorically as he writes. Sure. And we, and he's pointing out, well, yeah, he's, he's, he's speaking of, he's speaking of the good news in, not in this sense, but how it's related to us and what, where we are in this whole spectrum. Um, calling us to believe this isn't the good news. The good news is what we believe in. <laughs> I know, I know. I got a little cyclical myself, but... I like it, though. You're keeping with the John theme. Um... <laughs> well, it's important to put things in order because for the, the truth of the matter is, messing around with this scripture is going to... Um, it's going to cause you despair if you're not pointed in the correct... If you're not rightly distinguishing law and gospel. So... Uh, understanding that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves uh, whoever has uh, born of him. Well, the truth of the matter is we have to go back to our understanding of how does one believe. And by the way, that is the, by the grace of God through the Holy Spirit. So he's not, <coughs> he's not saying go start faithing He's saying, I want you to know that this is manifest. Uh, this is manifest. This is a fruit of faith. So keep this in mind. <coughs> sorry, I breathed in some of my water. So sorry, listeners. I, I, I thought you were breathing in Rome where they where they say we have to have love, right? In order to be saved. You got to have faith and what? Love, yeah. right? We do have love. God is love. <laughs> Like the, like the rules we established yes. last week. Yeah, that is spot on. We do have love. But uh, we, so for our listeners, we don't have perfect love yet. It's go to Paul in 1 Corinthians and read, you know, what you are and what you, you will be for that. So we'll give you an illusion there. But um, everyone who believes Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So blessed are you, all you listeners, because I'm pretty sure all four of you believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's right. Well, there's one of them that's suspect, but um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but we we see that um, this isn't a call for you to go out faithing. It is a confession of of those who believe in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that they're just little soldiers. It means that they are actually, there is sonship being spoken of here. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. So his commandments are, uh, apart from him, are impossible. But his commandments, uh, on account of him, are, are seriously answered according to him. Well, and you know, it, it, it's, it's, the world gets this so twisted because... Again, they take an unbiblical approach and definition of what love is. And we talked about that last time. The only way to understand love, again, is Paul in 1 Corinthians defining love as, as uh, patient, kind, not self-serving, etc., etc. And, again, the Ten Commandments. So, you know, this is how John is giving you the Ten Commandments by... And Paul does the same thing in First Corinthians that that love is the fulfillment of the law. It's this is what protects your neighbor. In other words, this is what's good for you and good for your neighbor. Well, absolutely. We answer the question. You know. What is love, baby? Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Okay, that was a. That was a shout out to the No Drama group who posted when we talked about what is love. They shot that, that up that away. That was Matt's. That okay. That <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing because I was thinking of uh, you know foreigner because I'm old, and then he busts out the. So anyway, 
Um, yeah, that. So yeah, there's a solid shout out. I feel like Mets needs a uh, he needs a bush league bumper sticker for that. We'll have to send him out one as soon as he's out of Facebook jail. <laughs> <laughs> so here we have uh, here we have though uh, when we talk about the love of God and keeping His commandments, uh, you have to understand that when we say keeping God's commandments by obeying His commandments. If this is an act of faith, this is not an act of will. You have to, people need to always be reminded of this, that those who are keeping the commandments and um, those who are, although we're always going to admit, as John will t say, we keep them the way sinners do, which is not really good. But anything that's good that comes as a reflection of God's word has to be accredited to the good works of God in us in spite of our sinfulness. So, again, it's not just out there going, go commandment more so that you can be uh, a child of God. No, no, you have to understand, John keeps going back to the works of God and literally the fruits of faith. So, this is not, this is not justification here. This is talking about the fruits and this kind of things like that, so... We gotta keep it. We gotta keep the first things first, otherwise we get into some pretty weird territory. Well, if you were to remove justification from this, it becomes worthless because then it's no longer Christianity. It's just another religion of works. Mm -hmm. That's not what. The, that's not what the Christian is, right? So our whole theology is centered around Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, and from that living faith comes and that's what he says next for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and what he's what he's saying is the world no longer has its control over you like sin okay mm -hmm. right it's now you're born of God so you're free from the bondage of sin death the devil and you know John is kind of working world here in that context right and you literally have to put on your blinders not to extrapolate that from this because he says right here in verse 4 for the people who redact this to turn it into works righteousness um, and this and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith wong wong so <laughs> that's not a that's not a super good works righteous passage cuz um we we understand faith to be a gift from god so that when this faith manifests in the fruits of these good works, we're not supposed to throw our shoulders out patting ourselves on the back. We give thanks to God, and um, uh, this is, you know, of course he's going he's gonna to cycle this. He's actually going to segue this um, into a confession of faith of who Christ is, but he does so in verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Namely, he's saying, look, the world is saying, don't worry about Jesus. Worry about me. Don't, Jesus was a wise man and everything. Sure, we're willing to give him that, but you know he wasn't God, right? I mean, he was just some smart guy. Well, you need to, you need to, uh, you need to seriously check your Bible here. And um, we need to be pointed, and, and, and John is going to do that because for him, in the early church, before the Nicene Creed, everything is being established by the confession of the apostles, not, not something that's made up hundreds of years later. But those who walked with Jesus were taught by him, this is the orthodox faith, that Jesus is indeed the Son of God, and he will later say, and he is God. So... We have to be crystal clear that this is a, a confession of who Jesus is. And this is before the Nicene Creed when people say, when we called him, when we made him God and stuff like that. So keep that in mind if you're listening to this podcast that John is giving us the, the groundwork, the early church, the first church on the orthodox way to talk about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, whom with he walked and was taught by. So this is from the horse's mouth. 
And, uh, I mean, we can even apply this. If you, if you want to apply this, it's not a bad exegete to even say today, like, what, what has overcome the world mean? Well, look, look at what's going on with abortion, right? You, Christian, you're not suckered into that. You know that the fifth commandment, that thou shalt not murder, and you know it's, it's wrong. So you've overcome the world in the sense, again, that your eyes are open to the sin. The world doesn't have anything to offer you. Only in Christ are you going to find what you need. Right. Well, any time when the world says, here's the Orthodox faith, uh, the Christian the Christian that says, well, no, that isn't the Orthodox faith. Uh, this is, and you're, you're over, that's overcoming it. Even though I guarantee you, somebody who loves the world could come up and take your life. But you've already overcome the world because when they're there to just kill you because they can't change your mind, <laughs> well, you've overcome it. And guess what? You will overcome that death. They won't, but you will. And so that's that's the that's the lie that the world tries to tell you. And uh, they try to preach orthodoxy, and orthodoxy is pretty much. Whatever the the wagging tongues and the itching ears want to hear. Yes, and again, I would just say John is using world where we would normally speak sin, death, devil, same kind of context. Oh yeah, um, he's not he's not just saying the planet or something. It has to do with. Uh, Anytime, like Paul does it, Jesus did it, I am overcoming the world. Uh, it's, you know, the world that, you don't say it's just the planet, because he knows that's going to be wiped away. The world is everything that is wrong and fallen and broken and sinful and disconnected from the true God. So let's talk about how John absolutely loves the sacraments. Oh my goodness. I am so excited to hear you say that because he really does love the he really does love the sacraments and by the way in my adult class today we were talking about the sacrament of holy baptism and so I'm already I'm already on endorphin level 11 right now. So Sweet. when when we have here and of course people keep in mind that you know that when John is confessing Christ you'll notice he does not confess Christ apart from the word and the sacraments. So when you see him say in verse 6, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. So here we have, here we have this um, reference the testimony of Jesus both his baptism and his crucifixion which reveals the love of God accomplished uh, his will for salvation of the world so you have the sacrament he's been preaching him as the word now he's preaching him in the sacraments and of course oh my goodness how does he link it all together dun, 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 by the Holy Spirit who is the one who bears witness to this. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us faith to believe this. And in us, the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to the truth. And that's called faith. And so I just, I just, that is outstanding. This is a, this is an amazing sacramental passage for you sacramental Christians out there listening to this. And if you're not a sacramental Christian, you will be soon. <laughs> So the, the, the sp same spirits working on you through these words. So absolutely. yeah, when he says you'll be hard pressed in the New Testament to find water and spirit separated from each other. Now, it does occur in some places like the Pharisees baptizing couches. The Holy Spirit's definitely not in <laughs> yeah. play there. But uh, when, when water and spirit are mentioned, it's obviously baptism. And this goes back to Old Testament ceremonial things you know in, in Leviticus it, there was ceremonial cleansings and washings and those things were the types for real baptism and the real deal and when when John says water and blood it's not a coincidence that in the gospel of John he's talking about when Christ's side is pierced out came water and blood so there you have 
these sacraments coming forth from the Word of God. Right. What an awesome picture, right? Well, even even in the um, you are I mean that paints it, and I've seen so many. I, I got I give credit. Um, higher things every year always post this super cool drawing of Christ pierced side, and it, but that is a sacramental statement. And um, also, interestingly, uh, to be to be a dork, also, even the secular world of of medicine and science, they say, well, it's important to note that seeing that that blood and water coming out of Jesus is actually proof that he had passed away and that he didn't merely swoon or something or faint. Um, also, pointing to the actual death of Christ, which would lead to the Easter resurrection. So. There's a couple of angles where we get excited about this sort of language when it talks about you have the sacramental talk and then you have sort of the plain talk. And so there's just a lot of things to, to flesh out here, no pun intended. And so it's, it's great. And of course, John, speaking of our Lord sacramentally, is right where we're at in our that's right where we're at every time every lord's day we're we're being surrounded by the word and the sacraments but someone will say how does this work and we will say for there are three that testify the spirit and the water and the blood and these three agree mm -hmm. it's great um because you have you have the you have the giver of faith and you have the sacraments. I'm just telling you, you know, for those people who say Lutherans don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough, you, yeah, you need to stop. Because uh, we keep talking about the Holy Spirit in the way the scriptures talk about the Holy Spirit. Not in these weird little, little, little kind of ways, but in the way that where the Spirit does tremendous and life-changing uh, works in a sinner. So... There's that. There's my little tirade on that. But well, I'll I'll segue on to that and say I would argue that this the spirit that they're calling the Holy Spirit is not the Holy Spirit because he doesn't carry out the functions that Scripture teaches the Holy Spirit does. I would argue that Lutherans talk about the real Holy Spirit in the real context of what he's doing to you, Christian, and that is bringing you Christ through the means of grace. Yes, and... I'm sorry it's not it's not more uh, exciting or whatever to be declared righteous by faith given by God. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry you want more than that. You know, when you say you want the spirit and everything. And, <laughs> and all we can do is say, well, the scriptures testify to him changing you forever by turning you from an unbeliever into a believer. So if that's not good enough, well, that's, that's your problem. And that, of course, was Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky. But, so, here we have a, uh, oh. So he talks, um, if we receive, uh, uh, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe in God has made him a liar because he is not blessed, believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. Well, here we are talking about the Holy Spirit again. He's talking about, you know, the testimony, the one who's bearing witness to the truth is the Holy Spirit. And the truth, the way, the truth, and the life is Jesus Christ. And that is the testimony. When people want to talk about what their testimony is and things like that, I say, yes, I have a testimony that Jesus Christ, uh, true God and true man, is indeed uh, my Lord. <laughs> he is the Son of God. And, and that's my testimony. Now, uh, I do have some warm and fuzzy stories to share with you about being a Christian, but truly... If we're going to say, well, what's your testimony? And it's not, well, that Jesus Christ, true God and true man, it, my Lord, is the Son of God. Well, that's that's the testimony that matters. Uh, and when we become better friends, I guess you can tell me, you know, other things about, about your life as a Christian. But really, that is our testimony. 
It's like a Hebrews 1-1 moment, right? Uh, yeah. In the former days, God spoke to us by the prophets, but in these later days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he's appointed heir of all things. So, you know, if we're going to receive the testimony of men, the testimony of Christ himself is greater. And not to say that the prophets is not God's testimony, and that's not, I'm not bringing that in. I'm bringing more the the aspect of the, the, the authoritativeness of the son, but like you're saying, you know, if we're, you know, you can almost hear John kind of snarking at, well, if we take the testimony of men, what do you think the testimony of God is? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, absolutely. We'll receive that. How much that. greater? Yeah, because um, it's important to say that, you know, he's keeping the first things first. Um, and he'll even say in verse 12, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. How do we know this? Because he's doing what he always does. He's quoting Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, and so he is He is telling them. And John believes this, and he's confessing this. And so when you talk about somebody having life, well, that means they, they have Jesus. That that means they have him in word and sacrament. There's no There's no other way to get around this. Yeah, and straight up reform, this is why we're not giving you an inch, because this is a lot of comfort that John gives. It's also a lot of sacraments that he gives uh, for to, to reinforce that comfort. And, I mean, they, it, it's almost like they read the, the law and then skip the gospel parts. But he says, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. It's a reassuring statement, right? Mm -hmm. You, if you believe this, then you are born of God and you have eternal life. Be, be reassured. It's, it's like, um, I mean, we, we don't really say much different in the commendation of the dying. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're going to have eternal life. You're good. You got faith. Yeah. Again, he keeps pointing us to Jesus who... Uh, also, in, uh, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus, and who is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And so, John is consistently saying, uh, I don't have a purpose-driven church. I have a Christ-centered, cross-focused, you know, uh, work of God ministry, you know. And so, I really appreciate... Uh, the simplicity again john shallow enough to wade in deep enough to drown in right so it's pretty clear that um whoever and he says straight out whoever has the son has life whoever does not have the son does not have life there's oh, no other way there goes the unitarians i know i'm I, once again <laughs> uh that's right you've been you've been outed unitarians oh i know uh Yep, it's over. Yeah, John just took you out like that. Yep, because so. again, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know. Um, well, repent, repent, become Bush League. Definitely, it reminds me of that Lover Boy song. When it's over. Okay, too much Canadians, but um, so <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I, Listeners, I'm just going to apologize because my head is filled with 70s, 80s, and 90s music, okay? So when I think about it and it, and it spills over, just forgive me. Um, so when, when we start to look at this, and he even gives us once again, he did this in his gospel. Um, I write these things to you, and he also writes it in this particular epistle. So back to the cyclical thing that we've been talking about. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So once again for the I, i'm sorry but unitarians are not only on the chopping block but the prosperity preachers are on the chopping block now because when we ask things according to his will jesus wasn't saying and you know what 
I need a bigger mansion. I need a helicopter, whatever. And um, so he's saying things according to his will. Well, what did he ask for? That not my will be done, but thy will be done. These kind well, of things. Well, I, I, I want to throw one more group on the chopping block as long as we're throwing them out there. Uh, sorry, sacerdotalists. You are on the chopping block here also. So sacerdotalism teaches that you have to go directly to a priest for the forgiveness of sins. And John Plainly said we can go right to God himself. And, and we know this is according to his will because our Lord Christ taught us to pray. Lord, remember me in your kingdom and teach me to pray. Our Father who art in heaven. Mm -hmm. And within this prayer we have, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. It is God's good will to forgive you when you ask him. Okay, so definitely, and when we go there, I mean, as a Lutheran pastor, I want you to know Zach is not saying... Do not forego your Lutheran pastor if you need to hear the comforting absolution. But uh, he's also saying that if you're Zach's brother in Christ or something, go to him and talk to him. And um, Zach will give you the gospel. He really will. He's got the good stuff. And yeah, so, don't, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm totally not saying you want to go to the house of God, to the people of God, the church... Right, the body of Christ, and receive his gifts there. But if you're in the middle of a work day and you have a heavy conscience, you can pray and have assurance that you're forgiven. That's what I'm saying. Right. So the, the, the priesthood, we're definitely, our purpose is that's what we do. We give it to you. And um, also, uh, as Jesus says, whoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven in heaven. And whoever sins you retain, they are also retained. So that also, I hate to say this, but it also puts a serious uh, reality check on who you on the on who you are as a Christian, because we believe that forgiveness is the greatest gift of all. And if you're kind of stingy with it, I kind of wonder why. Yeah, let it flow over, man. You mm -hmm. should be leaking grace from grace, and I. I want to draw the attention just real quickly back to verse 13, because this is important um, in today's culture and the way people eisegete Scripture. But he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Well, if everybody has the Holy Spirit and everybody's a mini-pope, why does John need to write these things? Right. Right, so again, we're pointing you back to Scripture alone, talking about Scripture alone. And it's easy to pass over stuff like this, but it's very important to realize, you know, if if the Holy Spirit's function was to just uh, zap you without hearing, you know, and then you know, or whatever, you know, is taught in place of, John's like, no, I'm writing these because God works through the prophets and the apostles who have already been, who have already spoken and wrote these things down for our benefit. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, and even, he even uh, starts to even flesh it out. Um, and here's a really good one, and this doesn't have to, <laughs> this, <laughs> okay. Um, in verse 16, um, uh, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins and do not lead to death. Well, the only reason I'm laughing was many years ago, somebody um, somebody asked me, and I, I'm 80% sure they were just looking at me and being totally serious. They go, you like a, a sin leading to death, you mean like me catching you cheating with my wife? And I'm like, that's the most awesome question I've heard all week. Uh, uh, I'm saying, I'm not saying that, that that act will not lead to your demise. <laughs> I'm saying you should probably not do that. But what I'm talking about, when you talk about a sin that leads to death, you have to understand that death, um, also in a Semitic term, is the separation from God. And so 
We know of one sin only that leads to eternal death, and that's the sin against the Holy Spirit. So, um, so it's to say that if you have a if you have a brother who's uh, committing a sin, and and let's we'll go there in a minute, but not leading to death, not the unbelief one, but the other ones, and we'll get to the unbelief one in a minute. But um, he shall ask, and and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. So we're talking about, you know, sins that uh, all but the unforgivable sin. And so I'm saying that even the guy who you caught, uh, you know, I'm saying, I'm not saying that this is your favorite day in the world. I'm saying that even though that guy and your wife are guilty of something so violating, but what I'm saying is that that person, um, believe it or not, has a confessable and repentable and forgivable sin. So, I mean, he just kind of caught me off guard. And he goes, and, and I'm looking at him, and his face didn't change. So he was being serious. So I treated it seriously. And um, so I was like, oh, okay, I understand. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, so... Um, but don't don't kill people if if you can you know if you don't you know get if you don't need to. <laughs> I'm like, just, yeah, yeah, don't do that. We're we're gonna deter you from that. Yeah. as your legal counsel and uh, speakers on behalf of the gospel, don't don't murder. Yeah, because um, pretty much God says vengeance is mine. <laughs> so uh, on that, uh, you know, just keep that in mind. That's all. That's all I'm trying to say to you right now. But uh, when he well the way with the way John talks about death, yeah, you're spot on. This is hell. Yeah. Okay, there's two. There's two deaths. There's two deaths for the the Christian and two deaths for the unbeliever. So the Christian, your first death is baptism. Sorry about your luck. You no longer live. It is Christ who lives in you. Yeah. Uh, the second death is the physical death that you will go through, and you will just pass right through and be in, into heaven well we await the resurrection because we're not just done there we're not just spirit bodies floating around right uh for the atheist the first death is the physical and the second death is hell and that is what john is talking about here and when he says do not pray that doesn't mean we're not talking about don't pray for your aunt who's an unbeliever this is a specific apostasy okay somebody is straight up like rejected Christianity and their teaching contrary and he's like yeah don't pray for that guy because look at his confession right he, he's a he, he, he left Christianity to be a Mormon right yeah um, and he because he says you know there is a sin that leads to that to that death I do not say that one should pray for that you know you you definitely like Zach is saying for that unbeliever who you are extremely mad at, the last thing in the world you want for them to do is pass away. And so, you know, you don't pray like, man, I wish that guy would die, that unbelieving monster. And because really it's, that's, that's probably one of the saddest things that should break a Christian's heart to see somebody in persistent unbelief. You're right. I mean, from a Christian perspective, there is there is nothing worse to see because we know what treasure we have with the gospel, right? So right. what we're talking about is more along the lines when we did Galatians where Paul says, I wish that those who trouble you would emasculate themselves. Sure. Right? He's sure, and that's what John's saying, but in a nicer way. John's a little bit nicer, I'd well, say, as far as his tone. Words, but I like Paul better. Well, I Paul, like the fire. Paul didn't want him to die either, though. He wanted. No, he... I, right, right, yeah. I, I, I don't want to say that. So if, if that got out, I, I'm not saying that Paul wanted him. But, but the whole emasculate yourself with John saying not to pray for this one, it's straight up. We reject Christianity. We're apostatizing into some other religion or a a. Christian plus something else. Right. right. He's like saying, you're no man. No man would do that. So go and take away your masculinity. And, um, I, I, that's Paul, though. Paul, he hits hard and he hits low. 
Um, and he says, we, oh, by the way, here's a really interesting thing. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. Keep in mind, anything that, um, any unrepentant sin is bad for you. This is why always the call is to repent. But, um, so we don't want to say, well, that's not really a sin. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really a sin, okay? Uh, I think a lot of people want to play the, the, the game show that's sweeping the nation. Is it sinful? Yay! You know, and, um, and you're like, well, you know, people kind of like in modern society, they're okay with that now. And, and, and I would say, you know, you need to stop letting the world teach you what orthodox is. The, the religion of the world is always going to tell you that sin is actually a virtue. And so you just want to keep away from that. Um, yeah, morality comes from God into the world, not from the world into the house of God. It, it, you know, it, morality, the, the reason we have objective morality in the world is because God wrote it on, on the hearts of all men for for civil and and to your point um uh oh boy i'm getting old i totally brain farted uh we we know that whoever's been born of god does not keep our oh i was going to talk about the two kinds of justification there's only two ways to be justified this is why pastor hoffman and i are always going to be heavy and hard hitters on the law and tell you not to self-justify like he was, because uh, there's only two ways. You either are justified by Christ and Christ alone, because you will never measure up to the law's demands, or you self-justify. <laughs> yeah. And we, we love you too much to let you do the self-justifying part. Yeah, we love you too much to ever, to ever lie to you, because then, by the way, that would make us no longer bush leaguers, it would make us bush liars and so we have no we have nothing that we say that it's jesus plus anything else yep we're leaving you totally condemned and ourselves also i would say us god's law and that's why he gives it to us so that every mouth may be silenced and everyone held accountable to god that we might be justified by faith in jesus christ right, right. so that's that's what we're doing. It's not that we're like these jerks that totally want you to, you know, live in this self uh, loathing and hatred. It's just to show you your real nature and your need for Jesus, and that there's no way out of your sinful nature except for in the resurrection. Yes. Well, um, and he says, and and by the way, the cyclical thing is coming around here again. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, uh, and the evil one does not touch him. Remember earlier is chapter um, chapter two or three, where he talks about keeping the law is what we do. We keep the law. We don't just obey the law. We keep it. It becomes a part of us. Uh, we don't make a practice of sinning, literally. Um, and so it doesn't become our vocation. So he's just restating this now. This isn't something new. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on or make a practice of sinning. But he who is born of God protects him. And the evil one does not touch him. So we have, um, we have not only are we not mired in our sin, but we also have the hope and the comfort and the protection of God himself. Uh, who protects us from the devil. I would like to rephrase this without taking out the words of God, but more how a Lutheran would understand this. Just say that we we know that we are from God, and, oh, sorry, wrong text, um, that whoever is born of God makes a practice of repentance. Yeah. So you can rephrase that to, to say exactly what John is, is getting at here. Yeah, our vocation is is a part of our, our practice of who we are is a repenting, a daily 
a daily drowning of this old Adam in our baptism. It's a daily thing. So that is actually, that is the practice we have, not just saying, uh, you know, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, I'm just going to just do this. And, and so having a, having a life of repentance keeps us focused it, on Christ. And uh, even says in verse 19, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Um, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in the Son of Christ. He is the true God and the eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. So, you know, you have this, uh, uh, this consistent of, the, uh, of truth. And I love how John keeps re repeating it and keep contrasting it with the devil who is a liar and who is evil and who is not true. It's, um, it's just outstanding that he keeps pointing us instead of saying, Hey, look at yourself. How good of a goody two-shoes are you being? But rather, he keeps pointing us to Christ and saying, Look how amazing Jesus is. Yeah, to anybody trying to teach perfectionism, you, I, I don't know how you can get it. Like, he's over and over, look at Jesus. And he's not like, look at Jesus, your new Moses. He's like, look, <laughs> I know we have this sin problem, but the answer is Jesus. And uh, another point to everyone who thinks that the devil's in hell, nope, check again. Mm -hmm. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. I am sorry, Christian, but this is what stinks for us is we're kind of stuck here and, you know, Satan likes to attack us. That's that's what he likes to do in his free time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but that is good for us. God will take what is bad and, and use it for our good, Romans 8, right? And mm -hmm. this keeps us humble and it keeps us uh, looking to God for protection and prayer and all that we need so that he can protect us from the evil one. Absolutely. And um, I love how he, <laughs> I mean, some people might think this weird. I think it's actually pretty awesome when he says, um, little children, how he, he ends it with, keep yourselves from idols. Anything that is the, the contrary to the truth, contrary to Jesus Christ. If you want to talk about abortions, you want to talk about um, anything that the world is telling us is great it doesn't really matter if it contradicts the truth then that is an idol and we do have a lot of idolatry going on and so I just think some people think that's kind of a weird ending I think it's an amazing one I do too because it's it's like talking to my kids by the way don't be a jerk right and, and John's like little children don't Stay away from idols. Don't yeah. talk to strangers. Right? It's like that. Don't talk to strangers. Yeah, strange uh, gods. <laughs> it's bad for you, right? It's not going to go well. Don't do not do that. Well, That's how I, I see him writing it anyways. That's just my um, quirky interpretation. But, you know, to, to the heart of it, like you said, idolatry, it, it's harmful. Look at, look at Solomon. Look at what it did to him. God said, hey, Solomon, don't do that. Don't follow them. You'll follow their gods. Yeah, and like yeah. you said, it, it's not just you know a, a, a stick or a stone that you're setting up as a god. An idol can be anything that you put in the place of God. Exactly. Well, whatever you fear, love, and trust above all things, that's your God. That's why Paul equates uh, coveting, coveting with idolatry. Sure, because uh, it's definitely somehow you believe you've been, you've been left uh, wanting, that you, all of your needs are not fulfilled, and this is you know, you become you become the the knower of of my needs, you know, it's it's pretty great, uh, pretty crazy. So anyway, uh, this is this has been a great chapter, um, and you know what, uh, if you're ready to move on. You pulled out a question from the group 
that I'm going to argue has some serious relevance to what we're talking about right now. Um, sure. Do you want Do you want me to read it, or do you got it? Uh, go ahead. You got it. You got it pulled up. I I can in in point oh two <laughs> seconds here. All right. So our question is from Christy, and Christy says about Jesus judging the seven churches in Revelation. How do we apply that? Are we our local church? Then to ask the question, how would Jesus judge our church? It reminds me of today's evangelicals asking, if Jesus came to our house, would he like what he sees? Is it a bad question, or is it only bad if it's not followed up with the gospel? Okay, now there's something, I think there's something to be said here, and Christy asks, I think a really important question as in uh, what does this say what does it mean why do I care these are some of the hermeneutical questions that are the exegetical ones and when you see these characteristics that uh, Jesus is speaking of uh, to these churches when you say well how's my church doing are we like Ephesus Smyrna Laodicea are we like, you know, you start going down the list and are we like the church in Pergamum or Thyatira, uh, Sardis, Philadelphia, you know, by the way, which one are we like? And the answer is yes. Guess what? <laughs> yes. Yes, I agree. Yes. <laughs> so you, there is plenty here to say that, you know, when Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would, would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. You know, when, when he's talking about this, give me a break, there's every church has those folks in there that every single one has these people that are like yeah you know i'm doing pretty well i'm, I'm pretty comfortable where i'm at i like where i'm at and uh you know i'm not saying everybody in the church is like that but i'm saying that we have some loud i see in lutherans <laughs> so yeah, well, what you get is is people saying well i believe in jesus so that like they just ignored everything we said from John, right? But yeah. you know, I'm cool with abortion. I think that uh, I, I shouldn't have parents because they're always bossing me around. I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. And uh, you know, we can totally believe in Jesus, and um, you know, also be Buddhist. You know what I mean? Something like this. You're you're not hot and you're not cold. Well, I I don't know. That was a little bit overboard. You're definitely uh, out, yeah. but. I mean, you know, it's this weird in-between of, of um, you know, because God can work with faithless and he can work with faithful. Mm -hmm. But he can't work with this mix of self-justifying crap where, where, you know, they just have the confession of faith, but the fruit sucks. There's, you know. Yeah. Without yeah. a doubt. And, you know, in every church you've got Laodiceans, uh you do have Philadelphian Lutherans who are, they're little, they're small. I've seen these little churches that nobody seems to notice and yet they keep my word and have not denied my name. You know, that says a lot about churches. You know, the more I learn about the Lutheran church in rural ministry and all that's going on there and you'll have these kind of tiny churches maybe in a town you've never heard of. And they're never on the news and nobody's ever talking about them. But every Lord's Day, there they are in word and sacrament, not compromising the gospel, changing people's lives, bringing them the good stuff. You know, there there's little Philadelphia Lutherans, you know, that and it says that, you know, they're not a big deal uh, by the world standards. But you know what they never did? They never gave up. They never quit scratching at and kicking and they they're always um 
focused on the Word of God, and you know what? I am, I am really blessed to say I sure do know a lot of Lutherans like that. And, um, you know, by the way, in case you're wondering why I'm all Lutheran, 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 Zach and I have made it a, a thing. We don't we don't just sit here and beat up on other religions. And so if, if we're going to talk about somebody, then we're going to go positive and negative on our own church body. We'll focus more on that rather than just flinging mud over the fence. So when I said there was lukewarm Lutherans, I'll also say there's Philadelphia Lutherans, ones that don't give up and, um, you know... Uh, and even the Sardis, the Sardis Church of, of being, uh, they have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains is about to die. Think about these churches that some of our districts get so excited over because they have a, they have a laser tag and, and water slide in their church, and people think they're so amazing. Yeah, you listen. Yeah, to w- wake up because you're dead. That's that's yeah. literally. I mean, you picked a, a bullseye example. I mean, that's yeah, everything but Jesus, right? Yeah, the sermons you listen to, them and you're going, well, this sounds like Marty Robbins giving me some motivational speech, and Jesus is wondering, going, when's my part? <laughs> you know, so and people get so excited over that because they have a, a killer uh, smoke screen and they've got a water slide and they have a uh, they have a bouncy castle and and you're going yeah you've got all this stuff that i happen to like by the way but you don't have jesus so don't tell me you're a church tell me that you're disneyland and i'm gonna go but um don't tell me that that's church and so people think you're amazing but you're actually dead so um sardis sardis lutherans exist um you know uh the thyatira um, by the way, Jesus keeps saying this, and this is what every Lutheran church of the Revelation <laughs> needs to know. Jesus says, I know your works. <laughs> <laughs> your love and faith and service and patience and endurance, that your latter works is seed the first, but I have this against you, that you tolerate that, that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed by idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent. So here we go. You know what? You guys, you have this neat reputation, but guess what? You have a cool, cool glass of water that has a drop of urine in it, okay? You're doing something that you've polluted your works by by giving yourself over to false prophets or prophetesses, in this case, teaching and seducing people to say, that sexual immorality, idolatry are okay. So you're you're in modern days. This is that cool church, the one that sure you know they practice this stuff, but really, um, they're also pretty pretty uh, pretty flexible on uh, on a lot of other stuff. Or you know they won't make a stand on it. So uh, that's kind of the the some of the saddest one. Uh, well, and we can learn kind of the grace of God in this, right? And, yeah. and and how He responds to us in His love, kindness, and patience. It's it's I know your works, but I have this against you. It's not that's it. I'm done with you. You're going to hell. It's over, right? It's a call to repent. And Jezebel, this is important for reading Revelation in general. Jezebel is a Old Testament. The, the prophetess of Baal in the Old Testament. So this is not literally a woman Jezebel, but this is literally a woman that is, or a group of women that, that are leading people astray into yeah. sins and sexual immorality, because this is all coded with Old Testament code. So I, yeah. everyone who read this would have understood Jezebel, the false prophetess of Baal. Right. Uh, so a, a little thing in there. And, and with every church, notice again, how Christ has, uh, he commends them and he also rebukes them. There's something that they're doing right and something they're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, For the majority. Pergamum is the same, you know, talking about, I have a few things against you. Once again, holding to the teaching of, of Balaam, which is uh, uh, another one of Jezebel, you know, the god of Jezebel. And, um, and so this false teaching... You know, Lutherans, for those of you out there, 
I need you to know this. I need you to hear this. That um, allowing false teaching in your church is a real bad poison. It's something that must be ferreted out. And I'm seriously, you know, Jesus talks about this. You know, they'll say, oh, well, you, you, you talk a good game, but here you are uh, falling prey to, the, to these Jezebels. You know, you're, you're good on the surface, but it looks like when we dig down under there, you're really, you're really, uh, you're preaching a false message. Um, Smyrna, you know, uh, Smyrna's the one who just went through, uh, went through, well, hell, really. Um, he says that tribulation and poverty, and he's the one who calls them rich because of their faith and their strength and their holding out and their suffering. You know, that's another thing that um, he notes that a church, for all you church growthers out there, um, that a successful church isn't the size of the church, but it is the, the confidence in the confession of the church. So, you know, you could have the big water slides and Jesus would say, well, yeah, sure, you got a lot of people there, but I have this against you, that you aren't really Christian. <laughs> so. Well, and, and let me piggyback, because the question does ask, if it, is it only bad if it's not followed by the gospel, right? Yeah. The, this, this is the problem with a church like this, is they're, they're missing the gospel entirely, right? Yeah. They have everything but the gospel. So... Uh, that's what Jesus' admonishment is. He's actually giving them law, yeah, back, right? Because they've taken the gospel away, and he's like, "Nope, put it back, or else," right? And so it's a call again to repent. Though he's not immediately, you're all condemned, you know. But he's like, uh, "You're gonna be condemned. You're on your way there, right?" So because he's... Christ is our life. He's yeah. the vine. We're the branch. He says, "Abide in me, and I in you." apart from me you can do nothing but the branch is not the supplier of life it just takes the nutrients from the vine no so yeah. apart from christ's word and his sacraments we're, we're like straight up dead like he's saying he's like i kind of like you alive put put me back in play tag yeah. me in bro <laughs> well tag me in absolutely because that is the only and he even said he called the the jezebels to repent and they didn't you know, and so this is this is it. I said, like I said before, I've said it to my uh, my uh, parochial school kids in religion. Uh, anybody who has a pulse needs to hear the good stuff. Needs to hear the gospel. Anybody who has a live needs to hear uh, the word of God. And then, because you know, you'd say I would say, well, how do you know somebody? How do you know somebody needs to hear the word of God? And a long time ago, this doesn't work anymore. Uh, they used to go, well, maybe because they're sad or something like that. And nowadays I go, who needs to hear the word of God? They're like, everybody. Why? Because we're sinners. Okay, so, you know, I, I might catch a kindergartner every now and then. It's just, it's just not common. But, uh, you know, because it's always, these are the people who need to hear this. They're always being called to repent. Turn away. It's not too late. You know, this kind of thing. So um, so in answer to Christy, who, by the way, send us a, a, a message with your address on it. We'd love to send you a Lutheran stuff, no drama bumper sticker. Um, is to say that when you ask this question and the, this, the quick answer is, is, how does this apply? Are we one of these churches? Well, every congregation is a mixture of all of these churches. And so our local church, you know by, you know, what, what people are, how the ministry is being viewed, where they're at. So, Christy, uh, great question. And, you know, if Jesus comes to your house, by the way, when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus when you're baptized, when you're receiving the Lord's Supper. He doesn't, he doesn't come to my house and see me because all he would see is failure. But he comes to my house, and he comes to the, his house also, and when he sees us, he goes, oh, look, there's my son. And that's really what Jesus sees when he comes to a baptized person's home. So that's how he looks past us, and he looks to Jesus, and he points us to Jesus. 
But when you have congregations removing that, when they're removing Jesus, you know, then then he kind of gets mad because he sees what again? Well, he sees us getting in the way, right? So, absolutely. I mean, it, it's like this. If Jesus was to show up in the LCMS today, I can think of plenty of things he would have to commend us on and plenty of things to rebuke us on. And this is the importance of keeping our doctrine and our practice pure, not only individually, but as church, because a little leaven ruins the whole lump. This stuff will spread like wire, wildfire, you know, if we don't keep a contain on it and on ourselves. Like, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you make an amazing point. And by the way, especially with saying, looking at the LCMS, I'm not over here saying we have this perfect church. I'm saying that like even John's church, um, this revelation of his <laughs> that he was given incidentally. See, we're on a John kick. <laughs> but um, so, <laughs> but the you Godfather know, of Bushley will remind you he's the Godfather of Bushley. He is the Godfather, the patron saint of Bushley podcasters. <laughs> Wow, we need to incorporate that on our next bumper sticker or t-shirt. I think you got the title right there. St. John, the patron saint of Bush League podcasters. Oh my goodness, we'll start wearing those little medallions. But they have to look kind of crummy though. They can't They can't look all nice. <laughs> <laughs> like our Luther revs. So, um, when you look at this, when you consider your church... And if you say, well, my church is, if you say, well, my church is like Laodicea, you know what you need to do? One, you first need to pray for repentance. You need to pray for these things to turn around. But you also need to be able to call a thing what it is and to say, look, what we're doing here, whether even though it might seem popular with the world, this is really a distractor away from our Lord and Savior so that's really kind of more where we need to be at. So there's nothing wrong with saying, well, my church has, is, I mean, there's nothing wrong with admitting that my church has problems. But when you get there, you want to say, well, you know, well, what's our move? What's our play to, uh, to, to, bring, uh, to bring that to repentance? That's where you should be working from. I think, I think the biggest danger is when we, when we become um, apathetic. Yeah. When we when we grow dull and we get lazy and we're not we're no longer paying attention. This gives the devil an open to attack and to dumb down our senses even more. But I mean yeah. look at the kindness of God. I'm gonna I'm gonna even point to the kindness of God here, uh, where he is awakening them again. So it's not like you're not gonna get a, a sermon that's gonna be both law heavy and then preach the gospel to its sweetest to quicken you back to life so yeah let's uh remember these things and then put them into practice again and collectively so well that's absolutely it and you know and on that note once again this podcast seems to just race on through We've uh, we've not only discussed and finished the book of First uh, John, uh, we've gotten an amazing question, and it looks like uh, for next time uh, we'll probably move into Second John because you know what we're Bush League, and we're gonna have the Patron Saint series. We'll call it that, and um, so keep tuned for that. And by the way, all of you Bush Leaguers, come check us out at nodramalutherans.org and nodramalutherans.podbean.com Check us out. Tell your friends about us. And until next time, this is Pastor Hoffman.